And this one right here, I dedicate this one right here to all my homies out there grinding. You know what I'm saying? Legally and illegally. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So, check it out. Uh. First got it when he was six, didn't know any tricks. Matter of fact, first time he got on it, he slipped, landed on his hip, and busted his lip. DFS MVP alongside TJ Hernandez, our director of DFS at 444.com. I'm Holden Kushner, and I can't believe 2006 is old school, but I guess it is. What are we listening to here, TJ? Yeah, man, anything where I was still in high school or college, I consider old school. So uh, I think this is throwback enough. Kick push from Lupe Fiasco from his 2006 album, Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor. Uh, Somewhat of a modern classic there. Of course, if you like that intro, if you like all the intros we have on the DFS MVP podcast, you could check all of them out on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Just go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or you can go on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting out the link. Before we get into the show, we have some congratulations in order, even though this is a football podcast. Holden, we have the Nationals going to the World Series. We do. I'm excited about that. It's very good. I will not be going to any of the World Series <laughs> games, which does not bother me whatsoever. Um, but it's awesome, man. I'm glad. Yeah, you know, is. you finally have a team that uh, just catches fire at the right time, I guess, for the last three, four months. But, you know, it's, it's always doomsday in Washington, D.C. with the teams there. The Capitals knocked it down. And now, you know, maybe the Nats. I still think the Astros are a better team. Sure. But you never know in a seven-game series. And then... There's the Redskins, which is a complete dumpster fire every <laughs> single year. And for those of you that are not familiar with it, you know, it's just uh, I covered that team for a long time. It was it's difficult. It diffi- it's difficult living in a world of suck. And D.C. was a world of suck in sports uh, with heartache. But finally, the Nationals are there. So good job, man. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Going back to the uh, back to the Expos days, that franchise is cool to see him uh, see him in the World Series. Yeah, but it's still more fun to to win money at DFS and fantasy football. <laughs> For sure, I mean, that's just Absolutely. that's where it is at this point. You know, it's unfortunate because I grew up a Mets fan, and uh, you know that was a lot of fun being around '86 and stuff like that, and '88, and then the years after that. But it just doesn't it doesn't reach the same type of gratification as when I win as when another that's, team wins. That's why I uh, hashtag stick to football even in DFS because it still lets me watch uh, baseball and basketball as a dumb fan. I don't want to lose it all the way. See, that's the problem too. It's like <laughs> I, I'm DFS in baseball, and then and I, the one thing I can do is watch Kansas basketball. Yeah, you know, I went to KU. We've never missed the tournament since I went there. It's great. I mean. The bomb's probably going to drop and we'll have you know, sanctions and stuff, but I might as well enjoy it while it's going. So, uh, did you do the DFS MVP code yet? Not, completely not yet. off the rails. Let me, let me do that. Sign up now with code DFS MVP. You will get a 25% off the DFS sub only 25% off code DFS MVP. We got our week seven plays, uh, winning GPP ownership review. So it's always good to look back and see what the winners did and see if you can put that into your process. We got the rate and review t-shirt giveaway too. Leave a five-star review, automatically enter to win. Who's there? Who wins? Who's the winner? Uh, we got a real nice review from uh, uh, G-I-Y-P-P-E-R. So Giper or Gipper with a Y. Gipper with a Y thrown in there. Uh, left us a real nice five-star review. Gipper or Giper, have you say it. Hit me up <laughs> on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and I'll get you hooked up with the details for uh, that nice 4 for 4 t-shirt swag. I just got a nice little 4 for 4 gift bag in my mailbox today, so I finally re-upped on some of my swag, and it's looking real nice. What'd you get? Uh, I got uh, got the black hoodie, and then I got the uh, the glow-in-the-dark gray t-shirt, and then our, our black and red print on the gray on. t-shirt as well. There's a glow-in-the-dark t-shirt? Yeah, man. There's what? it's a it's a gray with the white print. The white glows in the dark. So I had to I had to throw that t- into the collection, and then uh, somehow it, it the the cool thing about our swag is like well you'll see on the site it'll show like a a gray shirt with a uh, with all red print um or might maybe like black and red print but they're kind of mixed up so sometimes you'll get one like i had all red on gray now i got black and red on gray so it's a little different variation uh so it's nice they're cool i just say you know if, if you just want to get to the dfs stuff you can flip to that really quick <laughs> but uh i'm trying to figure out when i should wear my four for four uh track suit because, you know, usually I see Josh around it and we're around at least, you know, he has to be, who am I going to wear this around? Like, I can't walk around town in this red sweatsuit, can I? 
I mean, you can. The, the I'm at the very least, the top is is nice to walk around in. It's a light light jacket. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the track jacket goes with anything. You can rock the track jacket. Yeah, my pants. You. Come on. Yeah, I mean, you got to have. Uh, next time you go to a dance battle or FSTA. <laughs> dance battle. Hey, while you're uh, giving us a great review, check out my podcast, Fantasy First, four for four dot com's Fantasy First. I give you all the news every morning and you get it and you don't have to read it and then check out ship chasing covering high stakes fantasy football leagues too so that's our two new podcasts here's what we do every week during a regular season we touch on a few core plays for the main slate we follow it with a theory segment and let's just jump right in here uh josh allen more josh allen all the josh allen in the world 7,700 on FanDuel. I know I skipped Lamar Jackson, but I'm too excited about Josh Allen mm-hmm. right now. 6,500 on DraftKings. Taken on the Dolphins, if I remember correctly. They didn't even play last week. They're on a bye. Singletary's coming back. John Brown has a groin issue, so I'm a little bit nervous about that. Yeah. But come on, Josh Allen. Run for 500 yards. Yeah, he could he could do it. I mean, you could put up yardage really any way you want against this Miami Dolphins uh, defense. This is an interesting week at quarterback because – uh, we have we, we don't have Mahomes on the main slate, so that takes like the crazy price quarterback out of the equation. And then we have a lot of quarterbacks in kind of uh, tight pricing range on both sides, all in really good spots. Uh, a lot of potential shootout games, a lot of mediocre to bad defenses that the good quarterbacks are facing. So it was interesting in, in my weekly write-up on FanDuel, I usually uh, have three to five cash game quarterbacks and then another three to five tournament options. I mean, this week there's six or seven guys that are cash viable. Um, and then with only 11 games, a couple more, you already have like a third of, of the slate that, that are viable plays. But Josh Allen is one that stands out just because you, you want exposure against this Miami Dolphins defense. Uh, the way Buffalo is, is built and situated. Uh, they kind of have a noisy backfield outside of John Brown, the pass catchers, uh, you, you, you don't really know what to expect from them. So take an old, uh, old expression from our friend uh, Run for Johnny. You take the, uh, the syrup over the pancakes, and that's the quarterback. Buffalo favored by 16.5, projected for 28.5 points. Uh, that's 10 points over their point per game total. They're averaging 18 points per game. And that's one stat that I haven't really brought up just because we haven't really had a sample size yet. But now that, we have, now that we're six weeks into the season, we kind of have an idea of where these offenses are going to fall in their point expectations. So when I look at not just the implied point total but how high that implied point total is over their average it gives us a a option to see teams that are uh, just going to expand their fantasy point production so you can kind of look at these tendencies and trends in the red zone and find some of these deeper plays Um, obviously the quarterback's going to benefit the most but uh, extra red zone visits is what that higher point total should mean Uh, Miami Last in touchdown rate through the air. Last in fantasy points per attempt allowed. 30th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed on 4 for 4 You mentioned Josh Allen, uh, the, the rushing there. 32 rushing yards per game. That is uh, obviously always really good. I, I think hoping that he has a... a early uh, high rush total is going to add to your floor this week in case that uh, Buffalo does get up big. If, if maybe three of their two of their first three touchdowns come from like a defensive touchdown. And then on the ground, Allen only has one touchdown and they're up 21 or 24 or something. Uh, you have that, that rushing to fall back on in case of a blowout. So the only thing I am concerned about John Brown, mm-hmm. like, is there enough with Dawson Knox and Cole Beasley and some of the like? Who is it? Duke Williams is here. Yeah, Duke he's Williams. Well, now so. that Zay Jones is gone, you know, is there enough there? Um, if if Brown is not in there, and I think the answer to that's still yes. Yeah, and Miami, it's. I mean, they just not only are they giving it up um, like bit by bit, they're giving up chunks. They're bottom ten and 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 deep ball uh, rate allowed. So it's it's kind of just pick your poison with these Dolphins. Um, and I don't think even if if Smokey's out, I don't think this is a spot where they're just going to turn around and and hand it off to their running backs and play a slow game. Like you just get up on the Dolphins as quick as possible and uh, and ride out that lead. All right, let's get to the uh, to the next one here. Lamar Jackson. Here's another one you could see some. I mean, I don't even know if there's a chalk quarterback this year. Yeah. Is it Goff? Is it Murray? Is it Jackson? Is it Allen? Is Daniel Jones going to be there? Anyways, 
Uh, Lamar Jackson, 8,400 FanDuel. So he's 700 more than Allen mm-hmm. uh, on FanDuel. He's 300 more on DraftKings. He's 6,800. They're visiting Seattle. Tough place to play, but um, 49 and a half over under. This is one of the highest totals of the week, man. And I'm just, I'm actually for once looking forward to the just an actual real great game. Um, but I also want some pieces of this. And Lamar Jackson's a way to go. Yeah, as I mentioned, and and you said it's it's kind of hard to figure out who the chalk's going to be. All these values are are bunched pretty close together, uh, so take it with a grain of salt. But Jackson is the only quarterback projected as a top three value on both sites. Uh, that big over under just under fifty. The the Ravens are underdogs, but the spread's only three and a half. So this game definitely has some shootout potential. Both of these defenses have been uh, mediocre um, against pretty much all positions so it's not like either defense is going to be prohibitive against the opposing offense seattle bottom 10 if we adjust for strength of schedule against quarterbacks uh lamar jackson's passing value has hasn't been great like it was the first couple weeks but he's averaging 77 yards per game on the ground that's the 10th most among all players in the league Uh, so only nine running backs are rushing more than Lamar Jackson. So basically, before he throws the ball, you're getting two passing touchdowns worth of fantasy production from him. Uh, anything on top of that, I mean, if you, even if you just assume 200 yards, like he basically has a 16-point floor without a touchdown. It's pretty oh insane. God. Yeah, 16. And then the guy at the top, I mean, Russell Wilson. Yeah. I, I don't know how popular he's going to be. He might be, a, might be a tournament play, but it just seems like – it's just it, tough that like when you have this situation, like we only have one quarterback to play and no one is the clear favorite. So I don't imagine that any quarterback is over like 12%, which is still pretty high quarterback ownerships just always going to be pretty flat. Like there's a, there's a legit argument that there can be eight or nine guys between seven and 9%. And that's a huge chunk of ownership. Oh, good luck at tournaments finding the guy that uh, is the outliner there. But we got we got a long time. We got a few more days this week. Uh, running back now, uh, come on, Leonard Fournette. You kid? What has he got? Twenty five. He's averaging like 24, 25 touches over the last three weeks. Seventy nine hundred Fanduel, seven thousand DraftKings. Going to the Bengals, they're favored. I mean, come on. Do we have to think about Leonard Fournette this week? No, especially because we don't have. McCaffrey, we don't have Chubb, we don't have Le'Veon Bell on the main slate. Those are all like top three workhorses behind Fournette if we look at uh, like team shares. So on the main slate, Fournette's the only back with over 50% of the team touches and the only back with over 80% of the backfield share. He actually has 92% of the backfield share. He's priced like really favorable on on DraftKings for such a workhorse price down as RB6 I think he's RB3 on uh FanDuel uh Jacksonville is a home favorite uh, not a home favorite they're a favorite favored by 4 and then the Bengals just they're atrocious against running backs there if we adjust for schedule they're last against the position they're they're bottom two in rush yards and receiving yards allowed to running backs. Bottom three in rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns allowed to running backs. So basically, no matter how you get your running back involved against the Bengals, they can't defend them. Uh, like you mentioned, Fournette, uh, no less than 26 touches in each of the last three games. And that should continue against Cincinnati. No, and what was the number? No less than what? Than 26 touches over the last three games. Oh, so he's a bu- he's more than I thought he was. So yeah, it's pretty oh, insane. God. All right, so you got Derrick Henry next, and mm-hmm. um, it's funny that you brought him up because there's a prop in uh, actually it's in New New Mexico. I do a sports betting podcast with a guy that sets lines. One of the only people that actually does it now, and uh, they sent me the early week prop sheet, and it's Leonard Fournette minus one and a half yards versus Derrick Henry. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I look at it. I say, yeah, it's Leonard Fournette. <laughs> now I'm still going Leonard Fournette, but let's talk Derrick Henry here. And by the way, you know, maybe, maybe there's, you're going to fade high price running backs this week. So somebody in the middle, that middle tier would be Derrick Henry. 6,500. He's actually a little bit lower tier here. 5,800 DraftKings. Uh, the Chargers are horrendous. Absolutely mm-hmm. horrendous against the run so both of these guys have great matchups um i just i just think the offense is built around leonard fournette i don't know what Tannehill is going to bring this week 
What are they going to yeah. do with Derrick Henry? Are they just going to feed him the ball more? I don't know. I, I think that's the, the logical step, especially because they're, they're favorites against the Chargers. Uh, from a, a lineup building perspective, there are a couple values and injuries that we're waiting on to, to see uh, if some value falls into place that would let you pay up for Frenette and Dalvin Cook. I don't know if you could do it on DraftKings yet. It's pretty doable on FanDuel right now, but uh, I wanted to, to give the listeners somebody in a in a different pricing tier, and Henry's in, in a really good spot and really affordable, 6500 on FanDuel, 5800 on DraftKings. The uh, the Chargers, like you mentioned, not only are they, they bad against the run, but they're a run-funnel defense. If we adjust for strength of schedule, 11th versus quarterbacks, 9th versus wide receivers, but 26th uh, versus running backs, I think think that with Tannehill in there it's it's a little more um just feed Derrick Henry in this spot Tennessee's currently currently 10th in terms of uh rushing rate in neutral game script this game should be relatively close the Titans are favored by two but they're you got to take reverse line movement with a grain of salt. We've done some studies at four for four that shows that it doesn't dramatically shift the uh, expectation of, of fantasy scoring, but it definitely shifts what we might think about in terms of game flow. This game opened as uh, as the Titans favored by one. The majority of the bets were going down the Chargers. Ryan Tannehill was announced the starter, and then Sharp Money still moved in favor of the Titans. So uh, people that are really good at ex- knowing what to expect in football are expecting the, the Titans to uh, win against the Chargers that looked atrocious uh quote-unquote, at home against the Steelers last week. And Henry pretty much holds his own. He's not usually a play that I like in cash games because he's often really game script dependent uh, because he doesn't offer a lot in the passing game. But he's right up there with all the other workhorses in the league, fifth in percentage of uh, team touches. He's one of nine players with 16 touches in the last four games. And then when Tennessee does get scoring opportunities inside the opponent's 10-yard line, they're rushing 85% of the time. That's the highest rate in the league. My only concern, uh, or uh, there's a couple concerns. If they fall behind, if the Mm -hmm. Titans do fall behind, then Henry doesn't get 20 touches. I mean, it's just as simple as that. That's the facts. So, and I me, think there there is a scenario where they do because the Chargers all of a sudden have now they got Hunter Henry back. Mike Williams um, is getting a lot of opportunity. I think Keenan Allen's going to bounce back. Tennessee's isn't a great coverage team, so like I wouldn't lock lock button Henry. And I do think you can make the case for uh, pivoting to Devontae Freeman at a similar price point, just because that's a really high scoring game. Um, but uh, Henry does have have a floor as the main back there, but on Fanduel, wouldn't you, I think the natural pivot's kind of Tevin Coleman at this point. Yeah, I like Coleman too. I like the Niners running backs. I mean, uh, I, with I I'm usually a little hesitant about the running back committees in uh, cash games, but the Niners are a pretty unique situation. We have two running backs that are getting that are can both easily get 15 touches, especially in this uh, spot where they're favored by a lot against a bad Washington defense. So it's, I don't mind any of those guys. Derrick Henry just stands out a little bit more uh, because of his workload in the office offense and the way Tennessee runs their offense. So who you got Fournette minus one and a half or Henry plus a yard and a half, man, that's like, it's a great it's, line. It's, it's scary that it's that close. It's like, it just feels like they're suckering you into Fournette on that one. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna think about it too deeply. I just I really dug into it and I'm like, oh, okay, give me four net by yard and a half. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'll, I'll still take that. But... I just love the volume, man. The volume is built in. No matter they Absolutely. fall down, he gets touches. They go up, he gets touches. Derrick Henry to me is a great GPP play, uh, but now I'm gonna have to go back and run the numbers and see if he's a cash play too because you brought him up. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Uh, let's move on to wide receiver, 75% owned in cash games. Cooper Cup, 7,800 Fanduel, 7,400 DraftKings. Uh, Fournette and Cup have got to – listen, I haven't put my core together yet as we tape this Wednesday night. I'll do it tomorrow. Those are two guys that are going to be in the core. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be do you um, do you pay up for your running back too, or do you pay up for Cooper Cup? I, I really think at this point he's the only wide receiver worth paying up for. Like Julio uh, might be dealing with Jalen Ramsey. DeAndre Hopkins is, I mean, barely the wide receiver one on his own team right now. So like um, Michael Thomas is in a tough matchup against uh, the Bears. So Cup's really the only guy that that I want to pay up for. Seven eight hundred Fanduel, seventy four hundred DraftKings. Uh, the Falcons are the worst or one of the worst secondaries in the league maybe only the the dolphins are a worse secondary and this this game does have shootout uh potential 54 and a half over under spread of just three points in favor of the rams which usually doesn't uh really sway our wide receiver decisions but it does give them scoring upside obviously cooper cup leads the league in targets and uh, 80, 88% of his targets are coming from the slot. Atlanta's weak everywhere in the secondary, but especially on the inside, allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing slot receivers. If we uh, adjust for strength of schedule, the Falcons are 30th uh, against the wide receiver position overall. And the really what's been, been plaguing the Rams is their blocking and Jared Goff's inability to perform under pressure. But... Atlanta, their last in adjusted sack right now. We saw it a couple uh, weeks ago with uh, Arizona. Arizona was a team that was that was allowing quite a bit of pressure, and Kyler Murray was taking a lot of sacks. And Atlanta wasn't able to get after him. He put up, I think, 340 yards uh, through the air. So even though the Rams are probably like the the offense to be down on right now, I, this is a get right spot for them for sure. Yeah, there's no. I'm glad you brought up the wide receiver talk, though. Just real quick on on Cup and the rest of the guys that are above him, because you brought up some of those names. And you know, Julio is dealing with the hip, should be in a shootout, but is what what's the floor there? I mean, if you're going to yeah, be, it sounds like up, Ramsey's going to play too. Yeah, I'm honestly I'm not that worried about Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to see what he does in the new scheme before he does anything. But you know, where's the floor on Julio? The two yeah. out of the first three weeks, he was blowing everybody away. We got a couple. We got a five-point game. We got a seven-point game. I'm talking about Fanduel here. Fifteen points last week. And I, Cup is just the safest guy there is. Hopkins, you know, he's not there. Thomas is in a really tough uh, situation. So, you know, I could see a little little Cup, little T.Y. Hilton going mid-tier there and you know, figuring out the rest a little bit later yeah. on. But that's a great point you make. I like that. The the uh, thing that's scary about Julio is like he's his. Uh, targets per game are fine, 8.8 targets per game, and Atlanta's throwing a lot, but his target share is way down. He's down mm-hmm. at 21.5%. That's 35th in the league. He's a guy that we expect, like, he's usually top three or four in the league. He's hovering around 28 to 30%. So I don't know why he isn't getting the target share that we were used to. He did see 27% last week, so maybe it, it starts getting back to what we expect. Um, but that's probably like the biggest concern for me with Julio right now. Like at least DeAndre Hopkins is seeing the target share. He's still at 28%. Julio just is like that. That's pretty crazy. It's not good. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's just up and down and Sarkeesian is there. There. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's the worst. Just, just get out of there. <laughs> just get out of there already. You're wasting Julio's prime. Uh, John Brown, aforementioned John Brown. We talked about him. He's got a groin issue. Take it on the dolphins. I mean, if he plays, it's going to be tough to pass that one up at 5,900 on FanDuel, 5,500 on DraftKings, TJ. Yeah, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, if if I remember correctly, he was limited participant on Wednesday in practice, which is obviously much better sign than a, than a DNP. So we like that a lot. Uh, one thing that I'm looking for, even in my cash games, uh, regardless of the side I'm on, is players that are getting opportunity that have uh, a chance to blow up at an affordable price, even if their fantasy production hasn't been through the roof. And John Brown is, I mean, he's been a huge portion of this uh, Buffalo passing attack when they have thrown only nine players in the league have a target share of at least 24% and a share of their team's air yards of at least 35%. And one of those players is John Brown. So uh, that's a really good combination. Not only are you getting a lot of targets, but a, a good amount of those targets, if not all of them are pretty far down the field. So you got those opportunities for boom plays, which is often as valuable as someone that gets a uh, high red zone volume. And this is actually a interesting spot. I mentioned Buffalo is in a, 
situation where they're projected for 10 more points in their point per game average, which should mean more red zone opportunities for everybody in the offense. And there's actually a void in their red zone passing um, attack right now. You, you wouldn't think that the departure of Zay Jones would is worth anything but he did lead the team in red zone targets they've only thrown 11 times in the red zone so far but three of those went to zay jones so if they do have an inflated red zone opportunity there's you know 30 percent of their red zone targets are up for grabs uh which i mean again take it with a grain of salt because they've only had 11 on the year but why not their best wide receiver and then if you if you like correlation um brown and and josh allen together is is fine in cash games especially if you're playing mostly head-to-heads uh, we move on now. I, this is interesting. You brought the Packers wide receivers, right? Cause mm-hmm. they're taking on Oakland. Um, they all missed practice. Uh, all of them, everyone. Yeah. No one practiced. Valdez Scantling, no practice. Allison, no practice. Jimmy Graham, no practice. Who am I missing? Uh, Devonte is most likely oh, just Adams not even worth. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, turf toe is turf toes are a rough one yeah. that I, as soon as that happened, I was like, I mean, this is redraft talk, but rest of season, I I immediately knocked him out of the top twelve. So are we throwing Lazard in there? Is that a, is that a cash game play? So the reason I said Packers wide receivers is just because we record this on Wednesday, and it's going to be um, wait and see uh, for who plays. Uh, Valdez Scantling, Allison, uh, Jimmy Graham, uh, all have a chance to play. None of them practice on Wednesday, but this is just an Oakland secondary that that you want to attack and. Whoever ends up being healthy, it's either going to be MVS or Allison, who I think are worthy of cash plays just because of uh, Aaron Rodgers' trust in them. It's obviously a little bit better if one of them plays and the other one doesn't because we have a very clear wide receiver one in the offense. If neither of them play and we have to go for Kumaro or Lazard, then you're just getting a great value against a horrible secondary. Um, Oakland's bottom five in touchdown rate allowed through the air and fantasy points per pass attempt. They've allowed the fifth most fantasy points per game to wide receivers in the slot. As it stands right now, that would benefit uh, Geronimo Allison. He's taken the most slot targets. 74% of his targets have come out of the slot. So if he plays, he's probably my preferred option there. Gary and Conley is allowed the second most fantasy points per target among all cornerbacks in the league. As it stands right now, what they have for a depth chart, that would benefit Kumaro. Um, but regardless of who plays, we have... Valdez Scantling, 6,300 or 5,200 on DraftKings. All the other wide receivers are cheaper than that. We have Lazard and Kumaro down at 4,500 on FanDuel. Lazard all the way down at $3,000 on DraftKings. So whoever's healthy is worthy of playing in any format, especially since, like, we don't have pump plays this week. We don't have pump plays, and I feel like Outside of that, like seventy eight hundred, and again, this is Fanduel, but outside of, like that seventy eight hundred to maybe sixty two hundred, I'm not paying up for wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying up a quarterback. And right now, I'm not. And I think we got to get to you know your tight end pick because I, everybody's eyes are going to gravitate to Evan Ingram this week, and they should, right? I mean, why yeah. shouldn't they? It's Arizona. Yeah. Um... Uh, who, um, Austin Hooper went off his chalk against the Cardinals last week. Uh, in general, like uh, a generic strategy is to try to fade the chalk at tight end. Um, I, I, I think that idea might, we might have to shift that thinking a little bit, at least for this very like short period of time. And we'll get to that in the theory segment. Uh, but for now, Evan Ingram is just like, if you're going to have whatever a smash spot for a player that sees nine targets. It, it's a smash spot for a tight end. Arizona is uh, their last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Like they're allowing just under hundred yards per game to tight ends and over one touchdown per game to tight ends. That's better than wide receiver one production. Uh, obviously Ingram's going to be a huge part of this passing attack. Um, maybe the, the most sure thing in this passing attack with Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard competing for targets. And then obviously if Saquon comes back, that uh, that dilutes the target share a little bit. But Ingram's probably the safest bet on this offense, at least for week seven. You're also you're, you're paying a price, though. 68 sure. FanDuel, 65 DraftKings, but... 
It's not man. too hard to make it work on Fandle like that. We don't have any pump plays, but uh, Fandle's pricing is like just loose enough where you can get pretty creative. DraftKings has done a, a little bit better job of keeping pricing a little bit tight. There's so few options at tight end. I, I don't know if like you can really pay down except for maybe one spot. Well, this is the other guy, and I'm glad you brought him up. His name is Hunter Henry. He came back, and I know they were down, but... He got a ton of targets. He got nine targets. He got a couple touchdowns. He's only 5,700 on FanDuel. He's only 4,000 on DraftKings. And thank God we have Daily Fantasy because I dropped him after the <laughs> first week, before the first week of the season with the uh, with the injury there. So at least I could plug him in and play him now. And this is an elite tight end. And yeah, as you made a point here in the nose, rare chance this year to get low price tight end plus low ownership. I mean, this guy is going to be a top four tight end. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't, um, I mean, I've said it the past couple of weeks, we only have a handful of viable tight ends and everybody knows that they're good and that they're the only good options. So they're priced up and you don't really have a choice, but to roster them in cash games or really in any, any format, because outside of like the top four or five tight ends, no other tight end has a floor. No other tight end really has a ceiling. Uh, so Hunter Henry's like our last chance to get some value at the position price down a little bit compared to the top guys. And it's not just the nine targets uh, because they were behind. Like the, that's why specifically why we like to look at things like target share. Like, of course the chargers passing numbers as a whole are going to be inflated um, when they're playing from behind and, and are forced to throw, but 23% target share. That's what we're looking for. Uh, he's seen saw almost a quarter of the team's targets with Keenan Allen in there with Mike Williams, eating up all those air yards. And then where Hunter Henry has excelled since he came into the league is in the red zone. One of the highest red zone uh, touchdown rates since coming into the league. Now that Gronk's out of the league, I haven't ran the numbers, but Henry probably has the highest conversion rate on uh, red zone targets into touchdowns. And then he saw three of eight of the Chargers red zone targets last week, 38%. Not going to maintain a 38% target share, but he can definitely maintain like a a 30% red zone target share. And that's obviously going to equate to a lot of scoring opportunities, which is great for our tight ends in any format. All right. So Ingram and Henry at tight end defense. Oh, here we go. Bills. Against Miami, fifty five hundred dollars on FanDuel, forty three hundred DraftKings. Like I mean, listen, I treat the Patriots as a as a running back, you know, one two. Why shouldn't I treat the Bills like a running back one two this week? But fifty five hundred dollars, man, that's a lot. Yeah, you're 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 paying to play against the Dolphins at this point, and pretty much every week. Uh, last week you didn't have to do it with the Redskins just because those were two really bad teams. But every other week that Miami's uh, been in action, it's been pay up for the team that's facing them. And not only are the bills facing them, but the bills are actually a good defense. Uh, one of the best secondaries in the league. Uh, the expectation here is that Buffalo gets up big and the Dolphins won't have any chance to uh, exploit what's a little bit of a run funnel. Miami bottom three in adjusted sack rate among all the offensive lines in the league. Uh, it sounds like Fitzpatrick's going to be starting. I, I think I read that this morning. Highest interception rate among quarterbacks on the main slate with at least 70 attempts. Uh, I Bottom three uh, in the league in terms of interception rate when uh, his team is losing. And Miami, they're throwing at the sixth highest rate neutral game script. We've actually, we made a joke about this a few weeks ago, like how often are they neutral? They've actually been neutral quite a few times now in their past couple of games. And still, for whatever reason, they're throwing. So even if this game does stay a little bit close, you're kind of maximizing the opportunities against this offensive line and against Ryan Fitzpatrick because uh, Miami, they're throwing a lot in neutral game script. Yeah, real quick before we get to the other team, um, you you mentioned that there's no really low-priced defenses Mm -hmm. this week. I do wonder what your thought on the Giants is. Yeah, so... Giants are an interesting one because Arizona is obviously a, a, a offensive line that you could attack. And Giants have actually been good at getting after the passer this year. So that's one that I um, I didn't bring up here, but I have been thinking about writing up as a GPP play just because what I'm really looking for is uh, high passing opportunities and opportunities to get after the passer. That's where the points are going to come from. Uh, so Giants are actually in play. The cheapest ones aren't in play. So 
counter to what we said last week when we had the Jets at 1,500. Uh, Jets had a, like a really obvious floor last week. This week we have the Dolphins at 1500 on DraftKings and 2500 on FanDuel and then we have Redskins at 17 on DraftKings uh against the 49ers, but these teams have negative point floors uh just because they're facing two good defenses that get behind by a lot. I do think that uh the defenses can can force a couple turnovers uh, against these offenses and just put the the Dolphins and the uh, Redskins defense in a really bad spot. So last week we loved that $1,500 price tag on a defense, and I think it was pretty obvious. And we weren't really losing much, even though the Jets only scored one fantasy point. They ended up being in almost 20% of millionaire lineups. They were in almost 70% of uh, my big double up, which is uh, $100 buy-in with 1,100 people in it. They were in almost 700 lineups. So wow. their one their one point wasn't really hurting you. Here, if you go with Miami like in a double up, uh, even though they are 1,500, I, I think a lot of people are going to shy away from them. So if they do give you a dud and even a negative, it's definitely going to hurt you against the crowd. Um, I mean, people are going to take the stab. I think it makes sense to, to try it out because it's going to get you an extra stud or two, but it can really sink your chances of, of winning a GPP and maybe even hurting your uh, cash line for making it in a double up. The bills are three thousand dollars more on FanDuel. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty three thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I can't I can't do, I can't go with the Dolphins. I can't no, do it. No, it's man. it's not worth it this week. Jets made Jets were were made They're a good. ton of sense last week, yeah. um, even though they only got one point. But this week it's just not the move. Yeah, it was a good move last week. This is, I mean, you would have to get lucky if they got three sacks and. It ended up not getting uh, negative points there. All right. Uh, the other defense, the Jaguars, 4,900. FanDuel, 3,500. DraftKings taking on Cincinnati. Need I say more? No, I think Niners are the other obvious one, but I wanted to throw Jags in there just because I, I think they might end up going a little bit overlooked because they are a little bit pricey. Uh, but this is the one of one of the best O-line versus D-line matchups of the week in favor of the defense. Cincinnati, bottom five in um, adjusted sack rate allowed. Jaguars, uh, top 10 in adjusted sack rate allowed. And Jacksonville is the favorite here. Uh, you get a little correlation regardless of uh, what format you play if you decide to play them I think most people are going to have Leonard Fournette and then if Cincinnati does keep it close similar to what I talked about with Miami they throw at a very high rate themselves top three in uh, passing rate in neutral game script so even if they aren't falling behind you're going to maximize those opportunities to take advantage of that O-line D-line matchup and obviously cause some sacks and hopefully some turnovers. We shall see, man. Uh, so I like that. like the write-up this week. But, of course, we got our game theory segment. And it's more looking back and trying mm-hmm. to learn a lesson as to what you could do to win some more money this week. So it's about winning GPP ownership review. And what are some of the trends you found? Let's start a quarterback here. Mm-hmm. What are some of the trends you found? So what I did is um, I went back the first six weeks of the season and I looked at ownership of every single position in the winning lineups in the Sunday Million on Fandle and the winning lineups on the Millionaire on DraftKings just to see uh, how how people are going about winning these, if they're taking chalk, if they're... Um, if they're fading uh, chalk at a certain position. And then obviously I, I broke it up as running back one, uh, running back two, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, uh, ranked by ownership. So we can get like a good, not by price, so we can get a good idea of um, of how this ownership is, is breaking down. So what I'm going to do first is I can go position by position and just talk about um, like the averages and what I found. And then... After we go through those, uh, I can quickly talk about what it means. This is probably going to be a little bit shorter of a theory segment than usual, but I I do think this season has shifted a little bit from what we saw last year in terms of what's been winning. So it's it's worth it to to look at it now. If we wait till like week 10, we might not have time to adjust our strategy and take advantage of these <laughs> things. Right. Uh, so, I mean, the season's short. We're only we're only six weeks in, but uh, we, we got to like, I'm already adjusting some things that, that I'm doing because of, of some of these trends that I've found. So we, we need to adjust quickly in NFL. But uh, quarterback, um, just a pretty similar um, 
there, there's a slight difference that I'll talk about, but uh, about 9% average ownership on DraftKings for the winning quarterbacks, but only four, um, but four out of the six were 6.9% or lower um, on FanDuel. Uh, the average is a little bit higher, 10% average ownership on FanDuel. Only uh, only two of the quarterbacks were under 10% owned in the winning lineup. So even though uh, the averages are pretty close, like the the um, how it's distributed out in terms of the ownership among the quarterbacks is a little bit different. Uh, at running back at the top, it's pretty much what we would expect. The the highest owned running backs coming in between 22 and 25% average ownership of the RB1, uh, which makes sense because we should be able to project ownership uh, pretty confidently or production pretty confidently for running backs. Uh, but the RB2, just about 12% ownership with quite a few under 10%. So uh, I'll get back to why that's a little bit surprising. Wide receiver was pretty much par for the course with what we've seen uh, historically, the wide receiver one were averaging about 17% ownership. Only one wide receiver one uh, across both sites was under 10% owned. So that's seven lineups on FanDuel, seven lineups on DraftKings. Only one wide receiver one uh, under 10%. Wow. The wide receiver, yeah, yeah, really crazy. So um, again, I'll, I'll I'll get back to the takeaways when I run through these really quick. And before I move on. Um, Obviously, I'm listing a lot of numbers here. I'm not going to post these on Twitter just because I don't want to get into a whole explanation of like a a, a 20 tweet thread of what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if you're listening to the podcast and you just want me to shoot you the numbers, just hit me up at TJ Hernandez. I'll send you a screen grab of, of all these weekly numbers um, and the averages. But um, back to the wide receivers, wide receiver two averaging about 9% ownership. And then the wide receiver three averaging about 5% ownership Four of those on DraftKings fell below 2% ownership. So that's really interesting there um on at tight end average of 17 percent ownership for tight end on both sites only three uh under 10 percent across all 14 winning lineups and then the flex position you're always going to have uh a, a little bit of discrepancy here because we're looking at right uh, running backs and wide receivers on DraftKings. four winning lineups have used a running back two have used a wide receiver for about an average of eight percent ownership uh, but since week one, all of the flex positions of DraftKings have been 12% or under with an average of 7% ownership on FanDuel. Going back to the beginning of last year, it's not a surprise. We almost always see a running back in the flex position right now that flex overall is averaging 11% ownership, but that's really skewed by week five when uh, the winner used a 20% owned Adam Thielen. That was the only wide receiver used this year. If we take that out, uh, then we're averaging a 6.5% running back ownership at the flex on FanDuel. So that's where you make the, the big difference. Yeah, there, there's a few big differences here, but, um, but uh, it's not just differences in like how to be unique from the field, but just differences and trends that we saw, especially from last year, uh, for a couple reasons. Mostly the running back and tight end, but um, I, I do think there's some trends between sites that that I've noticed as well. This is really interesting because you know when usually I'm even placing in GPPs, mm -hmm. I'll have a couple of guys that are sub five percent. Yeah. Right. So you yeah. don't have to have sub five percent guys. And I, I think we've talked about it before just in terms of if we think of, and I didn't get into the details on this and maybe I will down the road a little bit, but if we think of how what the trend is going towards in terms of winning lineups going back to the beginning of last year um, when we saw a lot of onslaughts and now the trend moving towards more game stacks and correlations and not people just blindly throwing darts. Like early in, early in like DFS infancy, uh, I do think there was a lot of dart throwing going on and you did see maybe more um, more teams with like a few 1% owned guys. But I just think that the DFS has evolved so much that people realize there's way more upside with these game stacks and you're, you're going to have not just more upside, but uh, you're going to be able to distinguish yourself with upside and uniqueness by rolling out those game stacks and just looking for if you've seen what's happened this year, it's still a lot of popular games, a lot of popular offenses, but it's just been, how have you been able to differentiate yourself? Whether it's been, um, Miko Hardman or Carlos Hyde, like these are games that we were looking at already. It just, we missed the guy. So I think that's why you're only seeing like one or two really lone guys this year. 
fascinating. It, it yeah. really is. I mean, because this time last year, we were just talking about Onslaught. Seems yeah. like the first two months, that's it. Everybody's winning Onslaught. We're not even talking about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, three three or four years ago, I've, I've talked about on on this podcast like th that and i and i mean i've there's material from some of the smartest dudes uh in dfs if you go back and read some books that were published four or five years ago that said like you don't want to stack you don't want two receivers from the same team in tournaments because it limits their upside you don't want too many players from the same uh game on the main slate because there's so many options that it's going to limit your ceiling uh in theory but uh, the game's just evolving and i think a, a better thing to do these days is to just minimize the chances you have to be wrong and really just focus in on a couple games yeah i almost feel like the turning point was maybe two years ago mm -hmm. you know yeah, we had all too. the commercials what was that 15 2015 yep. maybe and then you know 16 there's still people doing it and then 17 it gets pared down 18 everybody knows what they're doing 19 here we are i mean sure we're we're coming up on week seven there's not too many people without a little symbol next to their name anymore mm -hmm. you know so you're going up against the best, and or everybody that just plays. Maybe they're not best. Anything else we gotta get to? Did I miss anything? Yeah, let me um, let me just kind of give you like what these specific takeaways are from from these positions, okay. and like you can either as a listener go back and and rewind and listen to these percentages so you can understand uh, what I'm talking about with these takeaways, or just hit me up on Twitter and I'll send you uh, the screenshot. But uh, on on at quarterback. The reason I think we see like that discrepancy where you see a slightly higher ownership on FanDuel, lower ownership uh, at your quarterback on DraftKings, but not just a higher average, but again, uh, four of the quarterbacks on DraftKings, 7% or lower, uh, only two of the quarterbacks under 10% on FanDuel. Probably on FanDuel, there's just more roster flexibility, so you can afford to pay up for the chalk a little bit more since pricing at quarterback is usually going to be pretty reflective of expectations. Pricing's usually going to raise with um, with implied point totals or, or game totals and, and point projections more so than just past production. So even somebody like... Um, like a Josh Allen is going to be priced up with the top guys when he's in the smash spot first Miami, and it's easier to pay up for him on FanDuel than it is for DraftKings. So I think that's why DraftKings might have a little bit flatter ownership, and you're seeing lower ownership uh, numbers come in at uh, the quarterback position in these winning lineups. The One of the biggest shifts from uh, last year is that like last year we often saw two or sometimes even three chalky running backs throughout the entire season. Uh, and this year we're just not seeing that we're seeing one chalky running back and then maybe one guy that's moderately owned. And in the flex, we're seeing a, a lot of relatively low on running backs. And I think that's because we have workhorses this year, but we don't have a lot of workhorses that are smashing. Like if we look at the guys at the top of uh, our running back touches, we have um, like Leonard Fournette's been putting up great numbers, but he's not putting up crazy touchdown numbers. Like we saw for like last year, we had McCaffrey Gurley, um, um, Saquon and Zeke, and then pretty much everybody else. And not only were they getting touchdown numbers, uh, but they were getting huge touch shares. Now the top touch share guys, Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, uh, Dalvin Cook, like they're getting a lot of touches, but Le'Veon's in a bad offense. Nick Chubb's in a bad offense. Fournette hasn't been scoring touchdowns. Henry's in a boring offense. So outside of Christian McCaffrey, like we don't really have someone that you just blindly jam every single week. So you can afford to be contrarian at running back a little bit more than we have in the past. Um, again, wide receiver. I, I don't think there's too much to take away there other than you don't need to really go too chalky. It's a high variance position. Um, you, you really can get away with just like one guy that's just moderately popular. Uh, the probably the biggest shift that we've seen this year is at the tight end position. And again, it's because we have so few options. And now with Will Disley down, we have one less guy where we don't know if Hunter Henry is going to emerge. So we have what four viable options at tight end every single week. Because of that, all of these guys, if they're even in a decent spot, they're going to draw 20% ownership. And last year, and even more so the year before that, that was just like an automatic fade. Now, it's 20% ownership, but then your fourth best guy, he's getting 10% ownership. So this might be a, a, a year. Maybe this isn't a, 
uh, something to change forever. But for this year, we might want to just start rethinking about that position. Like we don't like to eat the chocolate of all to position, but if we only have four, four options, um, this year and just might be a spot to, to get contrarian elsewhere. And then defense, um, nothing too surprising there. Uh, New England hit as mega chalk in week two, but in general, you don't have to pay for chalk. We've seen, we're always going to see pretty flat ownership at the position and, and scoring is going to be very volatile. So not a big takeaway defense. Uh, running back and, and tight end are those two spots that I've seen the biggest shift again to recap. I think we could be a little bit more contrarian than we've been at running back in the past. Don't have to be as contrarian as we used to think um, uh, against tight ends. And then FanDuel, it, it looks like it, the pricing, if it stays like uh, the algorithm has been a little bit loose, you can afford to pay up for some of those chalkier options and, and still get some other uh, low-owned studs in there. A quick question for you before we yeah. go. Saquon Barkley, how are you handling him this week? Uh, I, I'm not going to play him as a cash play. Obviously, he's coming back really quickly from – a high ankle sprain, which is usually one of the lingering injuries that running backs or just football players have to deal with. So sure, he feels great. They're saying he's like one of the fastest recovering ever. Um, but when you get out there and you cut on it and someone falls on it, uh, that that's that's risky for me. So in that game uh, that has some shootout potential and, and a lot of scoring opportunities, you're definitely going to, uh, to want to sprinkle him in, but he won't be nearly uh, anywhere near like a core play for me this week. All right, buddy. I'm with you. I'm I'm GPP, and I might actually be overweight on him because there's mm-hmm. nobody behind him that could carry the ball. Sure. But um, yeah, I'm with you on cash. It's do you want to spend up for Cook or do you want to spend up for Fournette? Do you want to you know Marlon Mack has to fit in there somewhere? Tevin Coleman, Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of names out there this week. It'll be interesting at running back. Uh, make sure you sign up now with the special code DFSMVP, and you get 25% off four for four's DFS sub only. So that's good. TJ, what about the rate and review t-shirt giveaway? As always, if you leave us a, a five-star review, automatically enter your name into the drawing, uh, which I'll randomly pick each week to get you hooked up with some nice 4 for 4 swag, uh, softest, most comfortable, best-looking t-shirts in the fantasy football game. If you want more from us, you can follow us on Twitter. Holden at Holden Radio. You can find me at TJ Hernandez, of course, 4 for 4 at 4 for 4 Football. We will talk to you guys next week, week eight. We're already almost halfway through. Talk to you guys next week. So she took him to a spot he didn't know about. Some mall in the apartment parking lot. She said, I don't normally take dates in here. Security came and said, I'm sorry, there's no skating here. And so they kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast. And the way they roll, just lovers intertwine with no place to go. And so they kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick. Coast. So come escape.